<sighs> New Year's Day, no better place to be than right here. Do y'all, I don't know if you've got a tradition, a New Year's tradition. My mom always said eat black eyed peas. I have no idea why. A pastor friend of mine said I always work, do some work on New Year's Day to get ready for the year. People have their different traditions. I say we start a tradition of church on New Year's Day. What an encouragement to be here and to sing with you and to pray with you this morning. We're going to be in Matthew 28 today. Matthew 28, verse 16, through the end of that chapter and really the end of the book of Matthew. How will we experience the presence of Christ in the upcoming year? How is that going to happen? When? Under what circumstances? In what ways will we experience Emmanuel, God is with us in the upcoming year? Here's an answer that I'm going to give you today. As we carry out the mission of making disciples, as we're doing it, we will experience the presence of God. Emmanuel, our God, is with us. He is with us in a special way. We experience the presence of God in a unique way as the sent ones commissioned and carrying out the mission given to us by Jesus himself. So we began the month of December, Matthew chapter 1, hearing the announcement of the angel to Joseph and to Mary that Mary had conceived by the Holy Spirit that she would give birth to a son, call his name Jesus, which means God saves. And this would fulfill a prophecy by Isaiah that a virgin would bear a son. You will, his name will be Emmanuel, which means God with us. Jesus Christ is God with us. He's not the sign that God will be with us. He is God with us. This is how we started December preparing for Christmas. And then we continued through December in the book of Matthew, hearing that God came to us in his son, Jesus Christ, to save us from our sins. And that God is with us now by the power of the Holy Spirit, making us more like Christ. And last Sunday on Christmas Day, that God is with us in our sorrows and our sufferings because Jesus himself was a man of <clears throat> sorrows acquainted with grief, and he will bring an end to all of them. So we will experience God in Christ this year as Savior and sanctifier and fellow sufferer with us. But today, we're going to bring this five-Sunday Emmanuel God with us series to a close by hearing that God is with us uniquely as the sent ones. Jesus said to his disciples after he rose from the dead and appeared to them, peace be with you as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And we look ahead at a year coming and we're being sent. And the Emmanuel promise didn't end at Christmas Day. The Emmanuel promise is what will carry us into the new year as we are sent by Christ. Let's stand together in honor of God's word, Matthew chapter 28, beginning verse 16. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Jesus came and said to them, all authority 
in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is God's word for us today. You may be seated. So the book of Matthew begins and ends with the promise that Christ is Emmanuel. It opens up with the announcement, as we just said, to Joseph that Mary will conceive and bear a son and he will be called Emmanuel. It closes with Jesus himself saying, I am with you always. The whole Bible does this. From the Garden of Eden to the new heaven and the new earth, God is with his people. Every commission that God gave to his people recorded in the Bible includes the promise that God is with them. When God called Abraham, get up, go to a land I'm going to show you, I'm going to make you a great nation, he promised his presence. When God told Moses to go deliver his people from slavery in Egypt, he said, I'm going to be with you. When he called Joshua to then take them into the promised land, he said, don't fear. Don't tremble. Don't be dismayed. I'm with you. I'm going to be with you. When he raised up David, who did not see himself in any way as equipped to be a king. But God said, you will be my king and you will shepherd my people as their king. I will be with you. To the prophets who were called by God to go call the people back. And some of them suffered greatly for doing it. God said, God said, I'll be with you. And to the apostles, he entrusted them with the gospel to the nations. And he promised, as he did the apostle Paul, I'm going to be with you. And we come to the seven churches in the first chapters of the book of Revelation. And the apostle John says, they're like seven lampstands. And there's one like the Son of Man who is standing in their midst. Who is that? It's Jesus who is with his churches in Revelation and today. All of us have God's promise that he will be with us. God moves his purposes forward through his people with that great promise, I will be with you. And this is the message of Matthew 28. It's the final words in Matthew's gospel But it's an open-ended final statement because when Jesus said, I am with you to the end of the age, you can hear that he anticipates continued activity. Jesus is anticipating that his church, his people will continue to do something. I'm with you to the end of the age. I'm going to continue to be with you until I come again. And during that time, he anticipates the church carrying out his mission to the end of the age. The end of Christ's physical presence on earth is the beginning of the church's mission, the continuation of Christ's mission for the church. And so, it is understandable that Jesus would promise his presence. We really need to hear this today. We need this. Every, every, chur- every church in every season Throughout all of history needs to hear this, and we desperately need to hear this in our day. We've been saved by God's grace. We put our faith in him. 
We've been joined to the body of Christ by grace. We're gathered this morning by faith. We've been called and commissioned with the gospel to make disciples, a calling that came to us by grace. So every prayer we pray, every proclamation of the gospel, every service that we render, every dollar that we give, every event that we carry out, every class that we teach, every call that we make, every child that we care for, every small group that we organize, every person that we love by sharing the gospel, everything we believe, everything we say, everything we do is by faith. It's by faith that God is working through this to carry out His purposes for His glory all the way to the end. So this is how we're going to experience the presence of God in Christ by the Spirit this upcoming year. It is as we are carrying out the mission that Christ has given to us. Matthew 28 is all about that. Three parts of it we're going to look at. First, the authority of Jesus over all. Second, the commission of Jesus to his disciples, his church. Third, the promised presence of Jesus all the way to the end. I want you to keep those things together. Three points I just gave you, but they're not three separate ideas that are disconnected. They, They are interrelated. They are inseparable. Christ's authority, Christ's commission, Christ's promise. They go together. Christ's authority is the basis for his commission. And it makes his promise of his presence all the more necessary and good. Christ's commission gets its urgency because it came from the one who has the authority to make it. And it can only be fulfilled with his presence. Christ's presence is comforting because it came from the one who has the authority to be with us. And it's necessary to carry out the mission. It's an impossible mission without Christ's presence. So keep it all together as we work through. Number one, Jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth. The authority of Jesus was given to him by the Father. Jesus Christ, I'm going to take you through a little theology here, okay? Jesus Christ as the Son of God, always had authority and still has authority. And he exercises it uniquely at different times. For instance, the Son of God was at creation. And it's through his authority, the Bible says, that all things were made. All things were made through the Son at the Incarnation. He laid his glory aside, not his divinity. He laid his glory aside. He took on humanity. He used his authority to submit to the heavenly Father and then to atone for our sins on the cross. At the ascension, Jesus, having been raised from the dead, ascended into heaven and used his authority to give the church the Holy Spirit. And he is now reigning as Lord. At his return, 
He will judge the living and the dead. That's his authority to do so. He will bring to us a new heaven and a new earth. He will bring us into it. Christ has the authority to do this. And all the nations, those from the nations who profess him as Lord, <clears throat> will bow before him because he's the one with the authority. We see the authority in this passage that we've just read. Verse 16. Jesus has died, been raised from the dead, is making appearances among the disciples, and yet <clears throat> he's still the one directing them. He said, meet me at the mountain in Galilee. It's simple. I want you to meet me at the mountain in Galilee. And they do it. Why? Because he's their Lord. Because he said to do it. Because he has the authority. And so their simple obedience acknowledges that. Verse 17. They worship him. Why? Because he's the risen Lord with the authority. But verse 17 also, some doubted. Who are these who doubted? Are they the disciples who just didn't recognize Jesus until he got a little closer? Are they the disciples who really did believe but sort of didn't believe, you know, like, Lord, I believe, but help me in my unbelief? Are they some others who happen to be around the 11? The 11 are the believers and the others are the doubters. Whatever the case, Jesus is going to clear this up. Verse 18, Jesus came closer. And then he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That is a claim and a reality that absolutely changes everything. It changes everything. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ, he's saying here, has claim on all. Jesus calls all to repentance and faith and discipleship. All. Jesus grants eternal life to all who repent and believe. Jesus has the authority to hold all people accountable to him. All people. Not just church people. All people. He has all authority. To Jesus Christ is all glory. And it's because of who he is. <clears throat> it's not because he it's not because he grasped for this authority. It's not because Jesus wrestled the authority away from someone else. Jesus has all authority because he is the eternal son of God. He's God the son to whom the father gave this authority. Now we're back to the mystery. The father gave authority to the son as this Three person, one God shared and related within himself eternally. The Father gave the authority to the Son. Say, explain it. Nah, it's as far as I'm going. Jesus has all authority on earth. Cultures, borders, people groupings, ethnicities do not alter or diminish the authority of Jesus Christ in any way. As his authority is not 
determined by us. It's not granted by us. We don't give Jesus the authority to do anything. Our acknowledgement, any earthly power's acknowledgement or rejection or ignorance or any other response to Christ's authority does not affect it in any way. It affects us. Our response to Jesus Christ affects us, but it has no bearing on Jesus' authority. He has all authority. Jesus has authority in heaven and on earth. There's no relegating his authority to the spiritual realm. Jesus has authority over humans on earth, commanding, commanding repentance and faith. He's not begging for it. He's not hoping, you know, maybe somebody will get who he is. He is commanding all men everywhere to repent and believe and be saved. He has authority over human beings to grant eternal life. And as we've already said, he has authority over human beings to hold them accountable. He has authority over all on earth. He has authority over spiritual beings. We don't see this going on with our eyes, our physical eyes. But Jesus Christ has authority over all the spiritual realm too. And that will be revealed. Read the book of Revelation. So Christian, church, Let's renew our confidence in the authority of Jesus Christ. And then let's renew our submission to the authority of Jesus Christ. I'll say a personal word here. I have no business standing here saying what I'm saying, if not for the authority of Jesus Christ. None. Well, what I want to. Jesus is Lord. We must acknowledge this again, renew our confidence in it, submit to it, and call everyone, everywhere, to come to Jesus Christ. Friend, you may have slipped into church on a on a New Year's morning, not realizing what morning it was, I don't know, but you're here on a New Year's morning and you might not know Christ and you're thinking, what in the world? Well, maybe, maybe this little moment is going to stir in you in the upcoming year to search these things out, to open a Bible, to read a gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, to ask someone, who is Christ? What is this about? Because Jesus Christ is Lord and he is calling you he is calling you to repent of your sin and come to faith in him and follow him as Lord. He has the authority to do that. Objection. Because we've heard you shouldn't force your religion or your religious views on other people. You say, well, if Jesus is Lord of all, how can you say that? That's forcing him on, on, on all. To which I would say, I agree 100%. We should not force our religion or our religious beliefs on other people. So let's clarify. First, this is not my religion or my religious belief. My religion, if you want to know the truth, my religion is self-lordship. 
My religion is self-hyphenated life. That's mine. My religion is to do only and everything that comes natural to me to do. That's my religion. So we're not talking about my religion. We're talking about the authority of a man named Jesus Christ who was born of a virgin and lived a perfect life and died an atoning death on the cross and was raised from the dead and after he was raised from the dead looked at his disciples and said all authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. <clears throat> so that's the first thing, it's not my religion. And the second thing is absolutely there should be no force, none. We're just proclaiming it. We're just putting it out before everyone, everyone. Proclaiming it, calling, saying, come, come, he'll receive you, come on. Praying that you will and that people everywhere will. And engaging with people so they will, but no force and not our religion. Simply proclaiming what Jesus Christ himself said about himself. Jesus Christ has all authority. Second. Jesus, with this authority, <clears throat> commissioned his disciples, and he commissioned his church. Verses 19 through almost the end, first part of verse 20, we hear Jesus saying this. Jesus' commission to his disciples naturally flows from his authority over all. In other words, we would say it like this. Since Jesus is Lord, since he has authority, all authority, then it follows that he should have disciples the Great Commission, again, is not imposing anything on other people unjustly or unjustifiably. The Great Commission to go make disciples <clears throat> is simply the natural activity of Christ on earth through his church. It's just natural. It just flows naturally from Christ through his church that disciples will be made because he is Lord. It's just obvious. It's just reasonable. I mean, Without it, without a commission, without a, if you don't do a great commission, it just, you don't believe Jesus is Lord. It's, just, it's, it's the reality. What is the commission? Well, it, first of all, it's to the disciples. Jesus said this to his disciples. And we saw a lot in the book of John. We talked about how when Jesus said things to his disciples, he meant for that to go from his disciples to his church. So by extension, the, the commission is to the church. By extension, the commission is to Grace Community Church. This one, the commission is to make disciples. Acts and the epistles make this very clear. The commission is to the disciples. The commission is to make disciples. That is to expand the church. People become disciples of Jesus Christ when they hear the gospel and respond by faith. That's a little interesting thing. A little side note here is that some people, what's the difference between a Christian and a disciple? I don't think there is one. You become, when you become a Christian, you, you become a disciple of Jesus Christ. You, you hear the gospel. And you believe on Jesus Christ. And then, and then as a disciple now, he says, you're baptized and you're taught. So a person becomes a disciple of Jesus, a Christian, by hearing the gospel by faith. So what do we do? We, we proclaim the gospel. We, we say the gospel. We put it out there. We call people. Disciples then, Jesus said, are baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They're baptized into, into God. Often when you see people baptized here at Grace, we say that. I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit as if 
the, the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit is about the one baptizing. But really, we're baptizing the person into the name of God, into the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That is the, that is the identification with God. It is the coming into the very life of God. When a person is converted to Christ, they come into the very life of God. God's life is in us. And disciples are taught, Jesus said. Look at the verse. He taught to obey everything that I have commanded you. So, again, look at the words. Jesus commanded things to the apostles, to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to us in the New Testament. And so then we are to obey them as the disciples of Jesus. So what do we do? We give ourselves to the, to the truth. We, we teach. We train. We equip ourselves as the church so that we can be disciples of Jesus Christ. That's the commission. He says, Make disciples by baptizing them, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. The starting point of this commission is Jesus Christ himself. That I have come to that reality as a pastor. And in this congregation, I've had to come back to this reality over and over and over. The starting point of the mission of the church is Jesus. It's not me. Now, people will often say, I heard you started that church. Well, okay, time out. I mean, let's do a lot of qualifying about that. Jesus started his church. Jesus sustains his church. Jesus commissions his church. It's all about Jesus. Me and some other people around here happen to be the ones that organized this one, but we didn't really start the church. Jesus did. It's all his authority. It's his, it, with his authority, he commissions us to do so. And making disciples is our mission. It comes from him. This is why, also, I have never been completely comfortable with the language of my vision for the church. Uh, years ago, when we started this congregation, um, people would ask me, this was, you know, 30 years ago, they would say, what's your vision for the church? And I was never really, I was never really completely comfortable with that question. I didn't kind of know what to do with that question. Now, I would make something up. We're going to be the biggest, baddest church you've ever seen. <laughs> or, well, my vision for the church is just to sit around and sing Kumbaya. I mean, what do you say to that? I don't know. Properly understood, I guess, the idea of having a vision for the church and a congregation, it can be helpful. It can be if by that we mean what do you hope for your church in a particular time, in a particular place, a particular situation? Okay, that's fine. But we must always remember that Christ has a vision for Christ's church. He has a mission for his own church. And he gave it to us. So I don't really create it. I just, we just obey it. So it's, it's a mission. The, the commission is to the disciples, the commission is to make disciples, and then the commission is to make disciples of all nations. All ethnic groups, all people groups, in all cultures, across all borders, no distinctions, no barriers. Nobody gets to open up the map and start drawing lines and saying, here's the Christian part and here's the non-Christian part. It's not the way it works. Jesus Christ has authority, all authority in heaven and on earth, and he said, I want you to make disciples of all the nations. So we go. We do. This is a discussion that often happens, <clears throat> and it goes like this. What does making disciples of all the nations actually mean? Does it mean you have individual converts to Jesus Christ, 
You baptize them, you teach them, and you just do that from every nation on the map. Or does it mean to make disciples of all nations is that there are so many disciples of Christ in a given nation that Christianity has an influence on all the aspects of that national life. And some others would maybe accuse, maybe some would claim, but some others would at least accuse that Christians think that making disciples of all the nations is that you would actually force people, require them to support the church and require them to confess allegiance to the faith and actually prevent them from other religious practices so that you can have a Christian nation. Well, that one would be ruled out immediately because no one professes Jesus Christ as Lord by force. The only reason a person confesses Jesus Christ as Lord is if the sovereign grace of God is at work in their lives and they're granted the new birth of the Holy Spirit and they repent of their sins and confess Jesus as Lord. So no unregenerate person should be required to support the church. But certainly, back to these ways people understand what is making disciples, certainly making disciples is calling, baptizing, teaching individuals among every people group and ethnicity and nation on the earth. And certainly discipled people among all the nations can have influence in all aspects of that national and cultural life so that the principles of Christianity actually start to shape the whole. We're salt and we're light. It can be, it can be as, as people have called it, pre-evangelism, meaning providing the conditions and preparing people's hearts to actually receive the gospel because repentance and faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ is really what matters. And that's good for all people. So, what do we do with all of this commission? Become a disciple. Become one. Like, repent of your own self-religion. I confessed mine, confess yours. Repent. Turn to Jesus. Follow him. Hear, believe, confess, be baptized, be taught, obey. And then, join the effort. Join the mission. Join the mission of your local church. Many of you are visiting today because it's a holiday. Go home and join the mission. And if you're part of this one, join this one. And use your calling. You have gifts. You have energy. You have time. You have money. You have influence. Use all of these things toward righteousness, toward Christ in the world. And remember, all along the way, that personal repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ is required of everyone to be saved. So share the gospel. But be a part of of being that influence toward Christ in, in the world as God puts you in the world. Back to what's happening in this particular passage. When Jesus gave this commission, he was turning his disciples outward. Look what they did. They went to the mountain. Verse 17, they went to the mountain. And when some of them, when they saw him, some of them worshiped him. 
And Jesus said, turn out and add disciple-making to your praying and your singing. And some of them doubted. And Jesus is saying, be done with that. Be done with the doubting. Don't doubt. Believe. That's what he said to Thomas. You remember what he said to Thomas? Don't doubt. Be believing. So he, he, he's clearing up the doubters. And he's standing up the worshipers bow before him. And he's turning them outward. And then he gives them the instructions. Go, therefore, all authority, first of all, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, make disciples of all the nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. He's turning them up, standing them up, turning them out, and saying, here is the mission. And then the third point, which is really, can I say all that was really introduction? <laughs> the third point is really the point. The, the, at least the point of today, the point for this five-week Emmanuel God is with us series. The third point really is the point. It's the last sentence, last part of the last sentence. Jesus promised his presence. He has authority. He commissioned his church. And then he promised his presence. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. I. Jesus Christ said that. The one with all authority. The one with the authority given to him by God the Father. The one who has authority in heaven and on earth. I. What a claim. What a claim. He didn't say the force will be with you. He didn't even say, now I say this, we've got to be careful with this one. He didn't even say the Father, although the Father is. Of course the Father is with us. But look what Jesus is doing. The, the Father's with us, the Spirit is with us. But look what Jesus is saying. He's saying, I, the one that could be physically touched the one you could share a meal with, the one who was crucified on a cross, then raised, then ascended, who's reigning. I, this one, Jesus Christ, is with us. He's claiming lordship here. I am with you. How can anybody who's a mere human, even the best human, claim to be with anybody else until the end of the age? I'll be with you till I die, and then I'm gone. Jesus will be with us forever. I, and then I am with you. My presence. I'm with you in power. I'm with you to provide for you. And protect you. Now, in what context? In the context of the mission. Because I know what you want to say. You want to say the same thing I want to say. I want to say, well, 
then provide for me and protect me and always at all times according to what I want. He doesn't say that. He says, in the mission, I'm with you. I'm with you with presence and power taking care of you. I'm going to be at your side. I'm going to be in you. When he says, I will be with you, I, I do believe that Jesus is with us in many different contexts. But I also believe that Jesus is with us uniquely. Uniquely. We experience the presence of Christ in a unique way when we are his people in the world carrying out his mission as he called us to. There's a, there's a special presence there, a unique presence of Christ with his people doing that. I am with you. And then I am with you. Man, I wish this promise would be for us. I mean, these disciples, they had it made. Jesus raised up these disciples to be his apostles. They are entrusted with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. They were commanded to give this by the remembrance of the Holy Spirit to the church, wrote it down, gave it to us. It is ours. He is with us by extension. The promise is ours through the apostles, and the Spirit is with us as he was them. I am with you. I am with Grace Community Church and every person who names my name, I'm with you. I am with you always. No break. No day off. No slow season. No sign on the door that says we'll be back at one. He's everywhere with us. He's in all situations with us. Now that'll get you praying because you're, you're thinking, I don't, I don't feel that way. I know. I'm not immune to this stuff. These days when you wake up and say, I do not, I cannot honestly say that I, that I sense that God is with me in any meaningful way. I'm not immune to that. This is a by faith. I mean, you know, I did the whole by grace through faith thing a moment ago. Okay, this Bible is by grace. It's grace. It's God's word given to us. And I'm preaching it this morning by faith. Trusting, 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 and obeying that he is with us always, always, always to the end of the age. When he returns, and if you think, oh, does that mean at the end of the age he's going to stop being with us? No, at the end of the age, he brings in the new age, the new heaven, the new earth, and we are actually with him in spiritual bodies in a way that we are not with him now. It's not going to get worse at the end of the age. It's going to get better. He's with us. So his promise, based on his authority, is the only reason that Grace Community Church can look down the long corridor of 2023 with any hope and any confidence that the mission of Christ will go forward through us and will give us everything we need to be obedient. It's the only reason. What are you called to today? It's always individual. It's always corporate. 
It's always the church. It's always a message to the church, and it's always individual. It's always a message to the people in the church. What are you called to today? Certainly, you should not kick back and say, great, Scott. That's yours, man. It's your mission. You go. No. It's ours. You're a hand, a foot, a toe, a finger, an eye. I don't know. You're a part of the body. What's your calling today? What's your personal obedience today? That's, that's the faith. That's the by faith. What's the personal step of obedience for you? That's the, that's the act of faith. Let's have confidence in his authority, assurance in his presence, and let's obey.